Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. Mike Goldman, welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. So happy to have you on today. Thanks, Matt. Looking forward to it. Yes, I look forward to meeting you. We've never met before. Um, I'm a little bit familiar with your work. Uh, you know, you currently have uh, your latest book out is Breakthrough Leadership Team. We're all about leadership here at Bright Vibe, self-leadership, corporate leadership, uh, home leadership, you name it. Um, we we talk about it and, and the many aspects of, of that, you know, whether you're leading a team of one or leading a team of thousands, uh, leadership is, I think, an all-encompassing thing that everybody can get better at. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about your newest book, Breakthrough Leadership Team. Uh, what, what's that about? Yeah, the, the focus of the book is really about what I know, what I, what I believe is to me the most important part of building a great company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not about strategy. You know, it, it is really about building a great leadership team. Mm. And I have been coaching and consulting for about 35 years now. The last Mm -hmm. 15 is my own uh, business as as a leadership team coach. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I kind of woke up one day and always thought about my business as I help companies grow. I work with small Mm -hmm. and mid-market companies, but woke up one day and said, you know, what I really do is I help build great leadership teams. That's my mm-hmm. model. I work with the mm-hmm. CEO and the leadership team. So I read a lot of books and I said, mm-hmm. if, if that's what I do, if I'm really about building great mm-hmm. leadership teams, man, I probably ought to read some more books on that mm-hmm. because I can't, you know, <laughs> thousands, you know, and, and I went on Amazon, there are thousands mm-hmm. of books, of course, mm-hmm. on leadership, mm-hmm. uh, dozens of books on team building. Mm-hmm. I could not find one book focused on how you structure a great leadership team, how you Mm -hmm. find the right people for a leadership team, how you Mm -hmm. build culture on a leadership Mm -hmm. team, how you execute as a leadership team. Couldn't find a book written on it. So I said, all right, if if that's the book I need and it hasn't been written, I guess I need to write it. So that's Mm. what I did. Interesting. And then and so those just, you know, we could dive into each one of those points you just mentioned. So how to build a great leadership team, right? I mean, that's what the work's about. That's what the book's about, but that's what you ultimately do. So let's talk about that. How do you build a great leadership team? Well, first, let, let's talk about a little bit about why, and then we'll mm-hmm. talk about, sure. about how yeah. and, and right. defining what the great leadership team is. I think the, the reason to build a great leadership team is because you want to build a great company. Right. And that's the way to do it. When I say great company, it is three things. You know, number one, it's about uh, top and bottom line growth, right? It's not mm-hmm. all about the dollars, but man, if you don't have the dollars, you have nothing mm-hmm. to fuel anything else right. you want to do. So you need that top and bottom line growth, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, it's about creating a growing, fulfilling environment mm-hmm. for your team. And then number three, after you've done those things, it's about adding real value to society. Society could be your client. Society could be be a bigger society. So that's what it's about. And and, and what I coach on, what I I believe is there are six pillars to creating a great leadership team. And I'll I'll quickly, Mm -hmm. Matt, take it. Yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any Mm -hmm. of these you want to drill into, we'll drill in. But number one is about self-leadership. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't, 
lead others. You can't even be part of a great leadership team if you can't lead yourself. So number one right. is self-leadership. Well, number two. And, oh, and yeah. do you, you want to dive into those? You want to discuss them as I'd almost like to discuss them as we go, because I'm not going to be able to remember by the time you get to six, I'm going to have yeah, so many yeah, questions. So let's let's, so, let's so, dive in. And if we only get so, to four or five, no, no, I think too, we'll, we'll, I'll make sure self leadership. We get, yeah, I, I, we'll get to them. How do you define self leadership, though? Let's be clear about that. So what's your definition of self leadership? Yeah, when when I think about self leadership, I think about three three different, I don't want to call them competencies, but three different characteristics, I guess is a great way to think mm -hmm. of it. And, and number one, uh, I call fire. And fire is about having that fire in your belly mm -hmm. to do more, be more, mm -hmm. set bigger goals, raise the bar. Uh, the metaphor I use is you got to find that next dragon to slay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so number yeah. one is fire. Number two is focus. And by focus, what I mean is the ability to be proactive in switching your focus from a disempowering focus. Mm -hmm. For example, a disempowering focus may be I'm focused on what I don't want. Right. Which happens a lot. Right. Right. How do you switch that to an empowering focus, like very simply focusing on what, what I, I want. do want? Right. Yeah, so, right. so first part of self-leadership is that fire, fire mm -hmm. in your belly. Second is focus. How do you switch from a disempowering to an empowering focus? And the third is coachability. Mm. We talk a lot. I talk uh, to, to my leaders a lot about how they can be better coaches to their people. But mm -hmm. when it comes to self-leadership, you have to make sure you're coaching, that mm. you're willing to ask for feedback. You've got that mm. vulnerability. You're willing to hold mm -hmm. yourself accountable. You are learning and growing. So the third part of self-leadership is that coachability. Mm, okay. Thank you for the clarification around that. So that's one, uh, being, uh, uh, what, and how did you describe number one? Well, one, one is self-leadership, self-leadership, self-leadership. Self self All right. Number two. Number two is proactively structuring the leadership team. Mm -hmm. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, normally when an entrepreneur founds a new business, it may be they're doing it Next step is they got a bunch of part-time or full-time helpers, but they're really mm -hmm. running it. And then at some point they start to realize, oh my God, I need a head of sales. I'm going to hire right. someone. Right. You know, I need a, you know, uh, you know, a head of operations. I need somebody mm -hmm. to head up service, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then they get to a hundred people and they're like, oh my God, everybody's leaving. We have a horrible culture. Do you think maybe I need a head of human resources. And by the way, I hate that HR term. I right. call it talent management, talent development, mm -hmm. but, but it, it, the, the leadership team kind of evolves. Mm -hmm. And what I suggest is you need to be proactive about structuring that team. You need to understand, even if you're one person, you probably have eight or 10 functions mm -hmm. within your business. Head of company is a function, sales, yeah. marketing, technology, service, uh, finance, there are a bunch of functions, whether you're one employee or mm -hmm. whether you've got a thousand employees, mm -hmm. understanding right now who's accountable for each function, the one person. And mm -hmm. if you're a solo entrepreneur, your name is, mm -hmm. is everywhere. But looking at your plan for growth mm -hmm. for the next four, eight, 12 quarters, I call it the 12 quarter leadership team plan. Mm -hmm. Over the next four, eight, 12 quarters, 
what's your plan for growth? Mm -hmm. And when you look at that plan, being proactive and saying, hey, you know what? I don't need a VP of sales right now, but given the fact that three quarters from now, I need to start bringing on 10 new clients per month to mm -hmm. hit my growth goals, man, at that point, I'm going to need someone other than me mm -hmm. to head up sales. Here's right. a point six quarters from now where I expect we're going to have 75 employees. Mm -hmm. probably need to think about having someone who's accountable for recruiting and onboarding and, and talent management at that point. Mm -hmm. And the, the power of doing that is that you understand two, three, four, five quarters before you have a need, right. what that need will be. And you can start grooming internally or hiring the right way, which is hiring slow as mm -hmm. opposed to, oh my God, I need a director of HR yesterday. Go right. find somebody. And then you make right. a mistake. Right. Okay. Number three. Number three is finding the right people. Mm. So if you've got the right structure, now I've got to find the right people. And for a leadership team, I believe that leadership team has got to be made up of all A players. Mm -hmm. If you've got B players on the team, they better have the potential to be A players within six months or right. so. And the reason for that, while I, I would never say your goal, while, while it's a nice, uh, nice, so it's something to strive for, say, man, I wish I had all A players, all superstars mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. my company. If you've got a company of 40, 50, 60, 200 right. people to say our goal is 100% A players, mm -hmm. that's a stretch, right? You're, you're right. not going to get there. You might strive for it. You're not going to get there. But I do believe on a leadership team. Mm -hmm. You need to have an understanding that A players don't work for B players very long. Right. So if you have an A player on your leadership team, I'm sorry, if you've got a B player on your leadership mm -hmm. team or God forbid, a C player on your leadership team, that's got a ripple effect throughout mm -hmm. the organization. So you need the tools and techniques to make sure that you're going out there and getting the right people for the function and you're hiring a players or at least folks with the potential to become a players pretty quickly. Right. Makes sense. Yep. And I've heard that before. Yeah. Well, what they say, I think it's faint. I think uh, Bill Gates was uh, the quote I heard was basically, you know, if a players hire B players and B players hire C players and C players hire D players, we have a company of idiots, right? I mean, we just, we can't, we're not going to get anything done. You got to, you know, and typically when I think of, of that thought, it's always like, I'm always looking to hire up, like who is smarter than me, which is e a low bar, but you know, who's got more <laughs> insight, depth, professionalism, who knows this better than I do so that, so that I'm, I'm one learning from them, but also, uh, I'm not having to do what they do. Right. If I'm, if I'm hiring somebody to be, if I, I see this, I see this, I've, I've done it myself when I was a young entrepreneur and I see it in other entrepreneurs is always hiring down because you, you, you think that you have to train them. Like, uh, you know, that's the biggest thing I, I hear that people say, well, I, you know, I can just train them. I'm like, mm, okay, why would you? Okay. So basically you're stressed out because you're having to do it now. And then you're going to have to train somebody. Why would you not just look for somebody who has that skill set? Right. And then, and, and, yeah. And what, and what I find is, you know, the, the other reason to do that mm -hmm. is if you're a B player, you're fearful of hiring someone better, right. smarter right. than you, because what's going to happen to your job, right? A players, you know, folks that are crazy productive, living the core values every mm -hmm. day, mm -hmm. adding mm -hmm. to the culture, 
they're all about hiring smarter people so they right. can step back and be more strategic while the smarter folks mm -hmm. are running the business. So that's one reason, you know, B players tend to hire C mm -hmm. players. And, and where you want to be is every time you bring somebody on board to your organization, you want to be raising the average. Right. Yep. You want to be going the other way. Right. Okay. That's number three. Number four. Number four is about building a resilient culture. Mm. And that starts on the leadership team. I have leaders come to me and say, how do we, how do we fix the culture in the company? Mm. Like we're not fixing anything until we build the right culture on the leadership, the leadership team, team, because if you right. do that, it's going to cascade down. There's still work to do, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, you know, down, down below the leadership team. But if you don't have the right culture on the leadership team, and I, when I talk about culture, I talk about the three V's mm -hmm. values, vision, and vulnerability. Mm, okay. Those three things, you need a leadership team that is living and breathing those three V's. They don't just understand the vision. They're evangelists of the vision. They don't just understand your values as a company. They're a model of those core values. They mm -hmm. don't just, you know, uh, uh, have good conversations on the leadership team. They're vulnerable enough and trusting mm -hmm. enough that they, they can have crazy, open, brutally honest conversations so so that that fourth uh, uh that 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 fourth component of building a great leadership team is building a resilient culture mm, right and in this in today's times that's never been more evident that we need resilient cultures because we're gonna you're gonna hit something whether you're being disrupted by industry or disrupted by well you know supply chain disrupted by you know cycles like in the COVID, financial markets the Ukraine, just any, right all of the above right monkey pox you name it <laughs> right number five number five is about executing with discipline as a team mm -hmm. it's it's being able to remove drama from mm -hmm. the day-to-day -day, hold people accountable i i talk about three disciplines with my clients in the book, three disciplines of, of execution. One is aligning around a small number of priorities, right? We mm -hmm. know if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. Right. So aligning around a small number of priorities, number one. Number two, measuring those things that matters. How do I measure success? What are the right key performance indicators mm -hmm. to measure how I'm doing you know, in the business? And the third is having the right planning and communication rhythm. The mm -hmm. right structure of when annual planning and quarterly mm -hmm. planning and monthly check-in and education and weekly accountability meetings mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. daily huddles. What's that right rhythm of planning and communication? You know, and and I, you know, I use this in some of the companies I'm involved in, and also I've watched some of my friends do this. But they're running EOS, right? The entrepreneurial, and, and I don't know if you recommend that, but I mean, it's a very um, I won't say it's, well, it's entrepreneurial operating system, right? So it's very, um, one, there's lots of information, tutorials, and videos on it, but I find that it was just super helpful to have just a structure, right? <laughs> if nothing else, it was, especially for small companies that don't have that um, bench to, 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 to do that, it was, it's, you know, it was a fairly easy way to get companies kind of on a regular, to your point, weekly, qu monthly, quarterly, annual here's what you need to do, I guess. So it was almost like running a company for dummies, but and I'm not, you know, but I'm referring to the books, not to the actual people running the, running the system. Yeah, well, e EOS is a great model. The, the, there are things I do that overlap 
mm-hmm. with the EOS method. Um, and, and EOS is great. I've, I've read all the books. You know, I, right. I think, I think it, when it comes to execution, EOS is, is terrific. Mm-hmm. I think there are, there are things that I do and things right. that, that are yeah. out there around, uh, you know, around strategy mm-hmm. that yep. go much deeper, you know, than an mm-hmm. EOS around right. talent and people and culture that may mm-hmm. go deeper. Oh, definitely. EOS yeah. for certain companies, EOS is, is a, is a wonderful wonderful tool. I sometimes compete mm. with, with, with their coaches. Uh, so oh, it'd be great uh, for me to put them down, but I won't. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a great set of tools and I use some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the sixth, what's the sixth thing? The sixth to- one is developing and, and improving as a team, mm. continuously developing, improving. So the sixth is about assessing your talent. Number one with my clients, we do a talent assessment every quarter where we look mm-hmm. one level down from that leadership team who mm-hmm. are the A players, B players, C players, and what I call toxic C players. And we use a mm-hmm. tool that mm-hmm. I specifically designed for that. So, so developing and improving is about assessing your talent, mm-hmm. coaching your talent, mm-hmm. developing your talent, and when need be making that hard decision to cut the cord on folks that don't belong on the team. Right. Of course. And so what, you know, with the companies you're working with currently, what's the most, uh, you know, kind of what's the top of mind awareness or challenge that they're dealing with right now? I know in our companies, it's, you know, employee hiring and retention is huge and competing with, you know, the current wage, wage stuff that's happening in in the health, I'm mostly in healthcare and the healthcare market, but what are you seeing in the companies that you're involved with? Yeah, I also think it's people related. And I, and Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's kind of two sides of the coin. One one is it is really tough to go out and and find and keep the right people these days. So it's mm-hmm. important that you are that you have a a process and some accountabilities and and mm-hmm. and some tools to do that really well. But the other side of it, and to some degree, one causes the other, mm-hmm. uh, but not fully. The other side of it is keeping way too many low B C toxic mm-hmm. C players that have been around for six, 12, 18 months, hurting the organization, and mm-hmm. they're still there. And right. I'll talk to leaders and find out they've never even coached these people. It's right. like, why are they still here? Well, I really haven't talked to them about it yet. How long have <laughs> they been a problem? Oh, the last year, it's really been bad. <laughs> really? And, and, and you know, I get it emotionally. Logically, mm. makes no sense. Right. I get it emotionally because I know and, and I call this the C player trap. I know if I make the hard decision, I know I need to make about that C player. Mm-hmm. Now I got to go find somebody else. Uh, right, right. Yep. And I've got to train them and onboard them. And, and mm-hmm. man, that's a pain in the neck. So you know what? Maybe maybe I can keep them around a little longer. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. they'll do some more coaching. And that I see is, is the biggest issue because when that, what when you're keeping those folks around who are, holding the company back from a culture standpoint or from a productivity standpoint mm-hmm. or, or, or both, who are you hurting? Mostly you're hurting your A players. Right. Because your A players now have more work to do. Right. Here's, here's the kicker. Many of your A players will become B players because they're like, hey, what am I working so hard for? Mm, if you're keeping you know, Joe around, who hasn't right. done anything in the last year, it's demotivated, more likely, right. because not a lot of A players want to become B players, more mm. likely they're gone. Right. And now yep. they're at your competition. So mm. 
so so having a, a structure where you're assessing your talent, coaching and developing, but knowing when the right time is to make that hard decision. Mm -hmm. And as a leadership team, holding each other accountable to make mm -hmm. those hard decisions, that's not an easy thing to do, but it, but it's critical. Right. Of course. And what other is, are there other things that you're really keyed in on right now in this current environment that you see companies challenges that you really see them struggling with? You know, and th th there's really nothing as much as, is we know the world has gone crazy over, mm -hmm. you know, over the last two and a half, three years or whatever it's been. Um, I don't see that big a difference in the challenges company. Mm -hmm. They had these people challenges before, before, yep. you know, before the great resignation or whatever mm -hmm. we're calling it today, mm -hmm. right. companies are horrible at, at, at hiring the right people, keeping mm -hmm. the right people, losing the right people. Um, uh, companies were and, and are still uh, really making mistakes around execution. Mm. There's no regular rhythm. How do I hold people accountable? What do I need to do? Fire everybody? Mm -hmm. Well, have, you know, show me where you've been clear about your expectations for right. that person. Oh, right. they know what they're supposed to do. <laughs> really? So, yeah. so having the right rhythm around planning quarterly to set a small number of priorities. How are you going to hold people accountable? How are you going to measure? That's always been an issue. It continues to be an issue. Maybe the one that's a big, bigger issue now mm -hmm. is the culture. Right. No surprise. Right. And a lot of that is, you know, number one, when COVID happened, mm -hmm. some companies really took, took that crazy challenging time and built a better, more resilient culture mm -hmm. by communicating with their people more and, and supporting their people and, and, you know, all the things they needed to do. And others did the opposite. Others were just like, I'm going to crawl under my desk and, and wait for this to be right. done. And people right. said, ah, now I know what my leaders are really about. And I'm mm -hmm. not thrilled with that. So it started there where some companies improved their culture, some companies killed their culture. And now obviously you've got the problem of, of remote and or hybrid work environments mm -hmm. where building those relationships mm -hmm. with your employees and culture is all about those relationships. Mm -hmm. Building those relationships, I what I found is for employees that have been there a while, mm -hmm. you could keep relationships over zoom right right for Not somebody who's already in, indoctrinated into the culture yeah. been with the company they get it they know what's going on yeah yeah, you could do that and it takes work but mm -hmm. not overwhelming you can keep those relationships keep keep that culture but when it comes to onboarding new employees and, mm -hmm. and this has been going on a while now employees that have been around in your company two and a half years may have never been in the same room right right bringing on new employees building relationships over zoom mm -hmm. is really difficult it's not mm -hmm. impossible mm -hmm. it's difficult and and there are companies now certainly as we know a lot of companies have hybrid environments mm -hmm. and and what they've done is said you know every every wednesday and thursday we're going to be in the office mm -hmm. great Yep. I'm, I'm for that. I, I, mm -hmm. you know, unlike my 26 year old daughter who wants the rest of her life to be working from home, right. I see the value, right? In, right. Yeah. 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 Being together. And the relationship. Yeah. But the problem is companies say, okay, every Wednesday and Thursday, we're, we're, we're all going to be in the office, but then what do they do when they're in the office? People are doing the same work they did Monday and Tuesday. 
Right. Mm-hmm. So people are like, wait a minute. I, I just I spent an hour and a half on a back <laughs> right, and forth right. commute. Right. And I could have done this more productively at home because mm-hmm. I have, you know, less interruptions. Like, what am I doing this for? So, right. so I think the key, and, and I don't think anybody knows the answer yet. It's too early mm-hmm. on, but I think a hybrid environment's here to stay. It's oh, not I agree. going back to the way it was. And and I think it's going to take a whole lot of data gathering, a whole lot of mistakes, a mm-hmm. whole lot of experiments to figure out what should we be doing in the office on Wednesday and Thursday that leverages the fact that we're here together. Shouldn't mm-hmm. be the same work we can do remotely. There's different work we should be doing to collaborate together, to build those relationships. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just mean, great, so every Thursday, uh, you know, we'll have an ice cream party in the afternoon. It's not just about doing fun stuff on the Wednesday and Thursday, although that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to learn, and I don't know the answers yet, we're going to learn how to change the work we do. Right. On those days we're in the office, change the work we do on those days we're outside the office to best leverage both of those things, mm-hmm. the remote work, the, the in-person work, and, and to continue to build the strong cultures. Because as you alluded to earlier, culture has always been important. But mm-hmm. when I talk about building a resilient culture, as the rate of change continues to speed up. And I'm, I feel like I've been saying that for 30 years, you know, change, you know, the only thing that's not, you know, not changing is the speed of change or whatever. Yes. Change is happening faster, but it just seems like it's been uh, wilder swings mm. back and forth. And I don't know that 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 ends. I'm going to assume it's not going to end. We're going to have those wild swings. So building a resilient culture mm-hmm. becomes critically important. And and by resilient, let's just dive into that. I, I love words and you know, the, the deeper meaning behind them. Um, but when, but in your definition of resilient, what is, what is true resiliency? So a company that's doing it right, what does that look like when we say resiliency? So when I, I look at the word resilient, the, what, what the, the picture that, that, that gets painted most of the time is the ability to take a hit Mm-hmm. The ability to to deal with an incredibly challenging time and bounce back from that. Right. And I think that's okay. That definition's mm-hmm. fine. I like to take it a step further. And, and when I say resilient culture, I want the problems, the challenges, the world events, the, the COVIDs, the recessions, the whatever. I don't want to just bounce back to where we were. Mm-hmm. I want the culture we have and the the vulnerability within that culture, the values within that culture, the the vision of of an amazing place you're going to get to and the value you're going to add. I want all those problems to to cause you to bounce back and be even stronger than Mm -hmm. you were before. Mm -hmm. That's the way I see not just Mm -hmm. the ability to take a punch and get up, but the ability to take a punch, get up and somehow be stronger than before you took that punch. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that, that what's the industry term now disruption, right? So, you know, I, I, I hear a lot about that and, but I think obviously the last three years has been its own disruption without having necessarily a lot of, I mean, uh, other, like just straight up corporate to corporate disruptions. There's all, all the underlying things, right. That are, that are going on. So, um, you know, the, the phrase, you know, you're, you're either the disruptor or the disruptee you know, if, if you're not disrupting yourself, somebody else is about ready to disrupt your industry. And I think that's part of the resilient. When I, when I think of resilience, that kind of is there too. It's like, it's not, 
what are you doing to make sure that you're more resilient? And you, and if you're not, when I say disrupting, if you're not looking at your, you know, where, where do we need to shore up our strengths and how can we become more resilient? And I think COVID was a prime example for a lot of companies of testing that, right? How resilient are we? Are, and, and we saw companies, I had companies that failed during COVID. You know, we also had companies that were resilient that actually got stronger as a leadership team, got stronger in their operation sense, learned how to manage, you know, got tighter on expenses, learned how to negotiate harder on contracts, right? So they actually came out stronger. Um, so yeah, wh what are we doing internally with our companies to to make them stronger, not knowing that the status quo is no longer, it's just not, the status quo isn't gonna cut it anymore for more than I would guess a year or two before a company starts to see some major uh, decline in it. If they're not constantly thinking about how do we get more resilient, I guess is my point. And this, this is also where not only, you know, when I talk about culture, I talk about resilient culture, mm -hmm. but part of the resiliency and the way you and I are talking mm -hmm. about it comes from the right planning and communication. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I come from a world of first half of my career, management consulting, working with Fortune 500 companies. Mm -hmm. We would spend millions of dollars on beautiful strategic, three, three to five year strategic plans right. that sat on a shelf and gathered dust. And right. the reason they did is because three months after that was created, the world changed and the mm -hmm. plan didn't make sense anymore. Right. So, so the key to one of the keys to resilience is it's not not planning, right? So, some CEOs like, you know what? I'm not even going to, we're, we're not right. creating a plan because I don't know what's going to happen three months right. from now. That's right. true. You don't. What, what I do is, is, is absolutely there's longer term visioning. But the anchor of your, not like the anchor, the key to your planning is quarterly planning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Typically, yeah. typically, the yeah. world doesn't change all that much in three in months. 90, right. And creating a, a set of quarterly, every 90, and with my clients, every 90 days, mm -hmm. we do, and I coach them through a two-day planning mm -hmm. sessions. Leadership team gets together for two days every quarter, look back at, at how we're doing, what's coming up. Let's create the plan. Let's make sure that plan aligns with where we want to go longer term. But the 90-day planning, it's it's enough of a sense of urgency that you got your fire, fire up your butt to really get some things mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. But it's a short enough period of time that you could focus. The world is typically not going to change all that much in three months. And doing that three-month planning allows you to zig and zag mm -hmm. along the way to get to a longer-term vision. Or when need be, you might need to reevaluate that long-term vision. Of course, yeah, and and I have heard that from you know the industry leaders that I am associated with. You know that they're, they're still looking at forecasting, right? It was which I versus planning. There's still forecasting happening, yeah. but the, that forecasting is always that tongue-in-cheek. Okay, this is going to be our target with the information we have today, right? And they, you know, and and they are taking those. You know, I don't see anybody doing five-year plans anymore. I really don't. Or 10, I mean, 10-year plan, forget it. You can have your vision, what, you know, where your company's headed. That That's different than having, you know, the, the executable plan that you're going to execute. Nobody's executing a plan for 10 years anymore. Nobody's executing a plan for five years anymore. Because to your point, things change so rapidly that that the that's like, so let's not get so focused on the how, or in my opinion, let's not go get so focused on the how and get focused on, okay, this is our vision and this is what we're going to, the target, we're going to have to be flexible on the how, right? We're going to have to allow that to zig and zag a little bit because the market's, the market's zigging and zagging a little bit. So that, that's at least Absolutely. what I'm saying. Yeah. 
in the thing. Um, and so I've got I've got one question, and then I want to throw you some just my own curiosity stuff. So uh, the question I'll I'll pose is for uh, a newer business owner, newer entrepreneur, or the solo entrepreneur, because you mentioned this earlier in the show about you know if you're the only one, you know I see what what I've been seeing from the podcast and from just looking around in society. It seems like that that's the one area of business that seems to me underserved is um, those uh, solo entrepreneurs or newer entrepreneurs, new business owners, there's the support system of, of, you know, there's just so much information, but what of it is credible out there, right? So, you know, if somebody's just starting a business, it's like, you can Google start a business and you're going to have more information at your disposal than anybody's had in the history of the world as far as how to start a business, but what can, what's actual practical, right? What's practical and what we should really focus on. So for that solo uh, solo entrepreneur, what's the most critical things that you think that they should be thinking about? A community of folks mm -hmm. that will support them. I don't think there's anything more, you know, it's not about make sure you come up with the right strategy. Make sure mm -hmm. that first mm -hmm. hire is an A player. The right. thousand things people are going to tell you. Some mm -hmm. of them are right. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of them are right, but it's overwhelming. You can't right. do 176 things. The, the biggest mistake when I, I made mm -hmm. when I started my first business mm -hmm. 18 years ago was I'm a smart guy. I could figure this out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it didn't work out all that well. Right. Um, yeah. So, so I've done that. Having, having the right community to support you, and that's everything from your professionals, you know, the right yep. accountant and yep. the right yep. attorney and, and all that stuff. Um, it, it's having having a coach mm -hmm. is so mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I you know, I'm a coach and I've right. had a coach for the better part of the last 16, 17 years. Right. I've had a, a couple of different coaches, right? A coach. So, so having the, those professional services, folks, having a coach that mm -hmm. can, can, can help challenge you, pat you mm -hmm. on the back when you need it, kick you in the ass when you need it, open mm -hmm. your eyes to some new way, ways of looking thing, looking at things. Um, family's important. Right mm -hmm. now, this is, mm -hmm. you can't, you know, you can pick a coach, you can't pick your family. Right. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you when I, my first business was a three-year miserable failure. Right. And <clears throat> there were uh, plenty of times that I thought, man, I just need to go out and get a job. Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't going to mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. When I started my coaching business, it took me a while to get it going. Mm -hmm. And my wife, I've been lucky enough to be married to for 32 years. Mm -hmm was the most supportive mm -hmm. person you could imagine. And she had, mm -hmm. she's very conservative with money and I'm not. Mm -hmm. So I thought she was going to say, cut the crap and go find a job. Yep. And when I'd say, uh, honey, I'm not sure how we're paying the mortgage mm -hmm. this month. We're in trouble. Mm -hmm. I don't know what mm -hmm. to do. She just be like, you're doing great. You're going to keep going. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop hiring the guy to mow the lawn. We're going to do right. this. We're going to cut that out. Right. And just, you know, in, in any point, she could have been the thing to kind of get me over the edge to quit or keep going, mm -hmm. having that support. And, and man, we both know, uh, probably know a lot of folks who have mm -hmm. the opposite. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, and, and yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. So yep. having family, friends, as well as business, you know, I've had for a, for a whole bunch of years, different mastermind groups. Mm -hmm. You know, right now I'm in three different mastermind groups. I've got one with three other coaches, 
We mm-hmm. talk once a month for two mm-hmm. hours to help each other out. I've got a group of 12 CEOs. We talk once mm-hmm. a month and I'm trying to build my public speaking business. So me and two other professional speakers have another mm-hmm. once a month thing. So that's, that, that doesn't replace one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. for you. Right. But again, having that support system, I'd say that's number one and every, all the other good stuff flows from there. And I, and I think that, you know, this, this podcast is so fun for me because it's always serendipitous because in every moment I get the, 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 some insight into directions that I need to look at. I have really been thinking lately about just kind of taking our community and just turning it into basically an entrepreneurial small business owner support company. Um, and, and really organization, because it's like, I've been a member, and I think I read in your, your bio, but I've been a member of YPO for 17 years, something like this, right? And so I, so I have my forum group, right? That's what they call it, YPO, yeah. which you're talking about, your mastermind, we call it forum, or they do an YPO. And so and I had mine yesterday, and, and again, it was just one of those, we do life together, um, you know, we meet monthly, and it's about four hours that we meet uh, once a month, but you know, we, we talk about every, you know, as a business owner, it doesn't matter if you're just starting or been in business, you know, 50 years, there's some loneliness when you're at the, when you're at the top, when, when you're the, when you're the person, the woman or the man, um, when, when you're where the buck stops, I'll put it that way. If you're the person where the buck stops, there's a certain amount of loneliness. There's a certain amount of isolation, unless you have surrounded yourself with some type of reliable, consistent community of support. To your point, it can't just be, you know, some buddies, because a lot of times buddies don't understand, you know, if they have a job, they're not going to understand the pressures and the stress of, of having to literally, to your point, do something to pay the mortgage, right? Do something that's, you know, and, and I can't think of a better, and I'm going to get up on my soapbox here a little bit. So thank you for the airtime, but I can't think of a better a better group of people to support than the people who are creating the most jobs in, in, in this country anyway, are small business owners. It's not, and, and, and that's every, if you've ever been around business at all, you look at it statistically, small businesses create, I think it's 80% of the jobs in this country. And yet I just don't see a ton. I know myself, I've been an entrepreneur for 30 years and what you talked about just, I think is, is the hammer hitting the nail on the head, which is, you got to have that support system because without that support system, you make decisions and that are in isolation that aren't full, you know, you're not getting the full view of all of the information you could have when you have a consistent support structure, right? That's, that, that's not, um, I even, I even, you know, the, the thing about mastermind groups typically, or, or in our situation, my situation, the form is these people can be very objective because they don't have any stake other than what is best for me, right? There's no ulterior motives. There's no, you know, they're not trying to get my business. It doesn't work that way, right? We, 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 we sign a thing that says we're not going to do business together, right? <laughs> because you, you want that, that true support. So I think it's so, I've really, this has really been on my mind for about oh, several, several months, if not longer, but I just thought it is very lonely proposition if you don't have that community. And for a lot of, especially small entrepreneurs and, you know, or individual, there's more probably, what do we call them? Solo, solopreneurs. Is that what the term is? There's sure. most, there's gotta be more solopreneurs than there's ever been in the history of at least the United States right now, because people can work remotely. Right. So but, but where's the support system? Where's the guidance on, on just basic things, taxation, 
what kind of company all the emotional stuff right right without all the emotional stuff right and and it can be i think it's the most rewarding and the most challenging thing you can do in your life one of the most challenging is owning your own deal right owning i I tell people that that you know again i've been on this entrepreneurial journey for for 18 years now Uh Mm -hmm. and i tell people that 18 years ago if i knew (laughs) <laughs> all of the challenges and i went yeah. through about seven years of financial hell right uh, yeah yeah you know if i knew all of the challenges i never would have done it. now but <laughs> right. here's the important part looking back from where i am now i have a wonderful business i never want to retire right it's lucrative you know I'm, i always yeah. want to grow it but i'm, I'm living a right. pretty good life right now right um, i look back at it now and say there is no doubt that was the best decision right. I ever made in my life. I can't believe the life I'm living and, and what I get right. to do. But man, if I didn't have the right support system around me, and initially I didn't, other than my wife, I didn't, then right. I built it up. If I didn't have the right support system around me, I'd be one of those folks in a job I didn't like very much, just mm-hmm. counting the years until retirement. And I think that's a pretty sad way to live. Totally. And so, so it, so you just, to me, said, yes, I will help support that community of entrepreneurs. So thank you for that. Yeah, there I appreciate you go. that, Mike. <laughs> that I'm was signing a- right now. Yeah, exactly. You signed up. I don't know how you can support, but I know you can <laughs> in many, many ways, right? But yeah, I think- I'd love there, to. There, there, there just needs to be something. Because I look, there's EO, there's YPO, there's Vistage. You know, there's so many great organizations out there. And they're really great organizations, but they typically- um, you know, they're typically serving people that have a little bit, even though they're technically small businesses. But, you know, if you technically the SBA says if you have 500 employees or less, you're a small business. I'm like, 500 employees, you got, you, you figured some shit out. I'm just going to, you know, you know, at the, you, know you're, you probably know how to scale. You got 500 employees. But, uh, but there's, but how do we help those people just coming into that? How do we help business? Maybe business has been around a long time, but are still dealing with the same challenge because you just don't have, the bench that you do, you know, I have a company, we have a thousand employees, we have a bench, right? Somebody gets sick, company's not going to stop running. I mean, you know, it's, it, there's enough people there that they, there's a, a, enough support structure, but yeah, if you've got a company of one, where's your support structure and have, you know, how, how you, you get sick, what happens? Right. Yeah. And so, so anyway, a little bit here. now I've got to, t- I'm going to throw a curveball, wide curveball, just for my own interest. If you're ready, if, if, if you're ready for Hold it. on, hold on. Okay. All right. Now I'm ready. It was in your bio, so it's fair game. Anything in your bio is fair game on the show, right? All good. NLP. Why did you do that, and what do you use it for? And, so and NLP and, for if if you don't know what NLP exactly, is, thank it's, you. It's neuro linguistic programming. Program. Right. And a buddy of mine in my coaching mastermind group, love it. Took uh, took an amazing course in NLP that he thought number one really helped him in his own self-development and managing his emotions. Uh Number two, although he wasn't going out there and teaching NLP to others, it did Mm -hmm. help him in his coaching of others. Mm -hmm. And number three, and this is the thing that hooked me three or so years ago, maybe close Uh to four years ago, Mm -hmm. is he said that there's part of what he went through is a is how to train in NLP, even though Uh he didn't want to do that. Right. Train the trainer thing. Mm-hmm. And the key there is he said it made it made him what he called a bulletproof public speaker. Interesting. It's mm-hmm. all about so I'm like, you know what? 
I don't know if I give a rip about any of the NLP stuff, <laughs> but I want to start building the speaking public, part of right. my business. And right. I trust this guy. So I went through, oh my goodness, it was in, in two different trainings in Whistler, British Columbia. Okay. It was, I think, 32 days of Ooh. training. I was out there for, I think, 14 Ooh. days. And then I was out. Oh there my gosh. The, 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 the most intensive training I've ever been through um, to get a whole bunch of NLP certifications. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. um, and again, I don't go out there and train in NLP, but, right. but the whole lot of that stuff is stick with me. That has helped me immensely as an individual. And mm -hmm. I used to help my clients. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I do know some NLP practitioners and you know, the king of NLP and you know, that or adopted it and used it widespread was Tony Robbins. Right. So I remember being around, I was around Tony's group for a while and there was a lot of NLP practitioners in Tony's group because of the things you mentioned, right. It, it, you know, helps, helps you communicate more effectively, I would say, um, and helps you navigate things for yourself and other people. That's yeah, and, and it fair. helps you understand what those kind of limiting, limiting decisions mm -hmm. are that you've made about yourself, the, the emotions that hold you back and, and mm -hmm. how to get through that. It, it's really, really powerful stuff. Oh, very cool. I well, I just, the, and I did the Tony Robbins walking on coal. Oh yeah. 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 I, I've, yeah. Tony was very, it was, you know, I had a business. Oh, what I was, it was probably three, four, five years old. And I got into a point where I had some limited success and things were running well, but I had run out of motivation. I'd, so I went to Tony to get motivated, which ended up being, you know, a, a door into a Pandora's box of a lot of different stuff that, that I was exposed to in a very positive way. And so, but I, you know, he obviously studied that NLP stuff for, I think from Bandler back in the day, I think was the guy's yeah, name. And, Bandler and, and Bandler and Grindler, Grinder. Oh, oh right. Yeah. So he studied from them and then started, you know, using that and, and can, and has used it to build his whole business around. So it's, it's pretty crazy, but I, yeah, I saw that. And I was like, well, that's interesting. A business coach that's been trained in NLP. That's not something that, that, you know, you see out there every day. No, um, no. So I appreciate that you, you did that. And it shows me that, you know, obviously you're, you want to dive deeper into those things. And, and I think back to relating it back to being a business owner, you know, your, your business growth and your personal growth are usually tied hand in hand. Absolutely. Right? And my, you know, it's going to say my problem. It's not a problem. It's a good thing, but I get, I get really bored every three, four, five years. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and I, so, so, you know, a few years I'm, I'm bored, I'm going to write a book. So I wrote my right. second book. I'm, right. I'm going to build a, a speaking business. My next right. thing is, is next uh, Q1 oh. of, of, uh, of 2023, which when people listen to this, that may be mm -hmm. where we are, Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm starting my own podcast. So like, like oh, beautiful. every year yeah, I've yeah, got yeah. I've got, whether it's a new book or a podcast mm -hmm. or starting mm -hmm. a speaking business or NLP a few years right? Ago, yeah, yeah. I get bored and I just need to do something different. Yep. And I think that describes most entrepreneurs I know, <laughs> you know, they, they need to grow, but, and, and I think it's, you know, it, uh, it's a healthy thing because I think, again, that's where job creation happens. That's where wealth creation happens. Right. I mean, they're, typically it's the small business owners. It's the entrepreneurs who are impacting their local community. Those are the ones donating to the baseball teams and the churches and the, and, and giving, you know, sometimes free services for the under underserved populations. I mean, it's not, you know, I, you know, I know that big corporate does, you know, gives money and does good stuff too. I'm not saying they don't, but if you look at a local hometown, 
you know, it's the people that are in business in those hometowns that have the greatest impact on those communities when it comes to business, I guess. Is yeah, the way and I, I look also at feel like as a coach, the, the small and mid-market, and I do a lot of my work in the mid-market, uh -huh. mid yep. mm -hmm. right. I feel like I can really impact lives there. In, in the first mm -hmm. half of my career, so not only do they impact a lot of people, I feel like as a yeah. coach, I could impact them. Right. Early in my career, when I was in management consulting, I worked at Fortune 500 companies. I was in mm -hmm. Troy, Michigan, doing work for Kmart. Six right. months of my life, I'll never get back. And, <laughs> you know, you could like do something crazy good in their business right. today to save them $30 million, but no one cared. I mean, you put a few pennies <laughs> in some investors' pockets, the right. workers were still miserable. When I started right. working with small and mid-market companies, I would help them do something, improve something, implement right. something. And the owner would say, you know what, for the first time in five years, I'm now able to go on vacation with my wife and kids. It's like, right. I'm actually impacting Impacting, right. lives. Beautiful. It's yeah. And it's, yeah, it's good work, right? It's, it, it's the work. So, well, I appreciate you coming on today, Mike, and I'm sure we'll, you know, invite you to come back on the show anytime you'd like. People can find more about you at mike-goldman.com. Uh, that's where your books are, your coaching, you've got some courses out there, but certainly if you'd like more information about Mike, you can go out and check that out. But uh, I really appreciate you coming on today and having the conversation. I, I enjoyed it. Matt, thank you. It was fun. And I'll yes. definitely, I'll definitely come back and work with the mastermind group you built. Uh, I know. love it. I I'm love it. Thank you. thank you so much, Mike. All right. Have a good one. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E, vibe, V-I-B-E.com. Thank you for listening.